1: Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's just used a biro in the dressing room, uh, which someone else's spit came out of and leaked onto the page he was writing with. But whose spit was it? I don't know. It's Richard Harris! <laughs> Welcome to Richard Harris Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Um, I was hanging out with the, the lady from the Shaken Vac advert the other day, and I, <laughs> I have a feeling I've done it with her before as in, in this context. Um, she doesn't even use Shaken Vac when she vacuums. She just vacuums like normally. <laughs> I mean, who, why would you put more stuff on the floor? <laughs> was a bad idea. Anyway, she calls it real estate. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, that was quite nasty. I was just writing notes about Al Murray. see that slight stain? That's someone else's spit, but whose spit is it? It could, be, you know, it could be Maria Bamford's spit, which wouldn't be a bad thing. But it could be like some, there were some kids doing there was like a sketch show competition. Yes, it could be someone who does sketches. <laughs> That's so a terrible thing. Uh, so uh, I may have been infected. You don't know, do you? But, you know, so someone in show has probably got some kind of disease in it. So um, uh, I've been reading the news, which isn't much use to you people listening at home because I think it's about June now at home. Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> they've, they've got, the week this was recorded, they were talking about the uh, passports, uh, the, the contract having gone to France, which has annoyed the, the contract for the blue passports. As they're going to be made in France, which is kind of quite funny, isn't it? Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> People get annoyed about it, but I say, how about the blue passports get made in France and the burgundy ones get made in the UK and then we get to choose which ones we want to have based on how patriotic we are. Uh, no, I think that would be... It'd be hard, wouldn't it? That's, do you want the blue one from France or the burgundy one from the UK? Oh, then all the UK people will explode and we can go back to being in Europe. So uh, that'll be good. Um... Uh, I've been up. I've been, it's, I've been very busy this week and next week coming on the tour. Uh, I did, I've been to Glasgow twice this week uh, and uh, very lovely shows, both of them. I did John Maloney's uh, hair all over me. Sorry, it's not, I think it's my, it's my Wookiee book. Uh, it's, either my, it's hard to tell which it. one's the more hairy. Um, uh, John Maloney, who we had on, and we talked about that uh, idea of doing the live at the Apollo, dead at the Apollo for over 50s. That happened this week. He we, we recorded six episodes. Of that fantastic show with lots of comedians over fifty, which I just snuck into. I'm just—I was basically the kid in the room. Um, but I did—I really love the Glasgow shows. Um, and then my stand-up show, annoyingly, on the, Saturday, the Friday. So I was on that. But I was in Glasgow on Tuesday and Friday, and I had to go to Colchester and Market Drayton in between. And Market Drayton, I thought, was just a place where puppets lived that was voiced by Brian Kent. But I was apparently—it's a real place. Um, But I love the Glasgow audience, and I, I was thinking, the first time I went up to Glasgow was in the Oxford Review in 1988, and we were very nervous as English little posh kids going up, supposedly posh kids going up to Glasgow... And no one came, really. And we went down to silence, actually. And then it was the week that the, the two, two people in the, in the show came up to us. After, the two of the audience members came and talked to us afterwards and said, you should have done more jokes about Piper alpha! Which had just happened that week, which was where, uh, like, 170 people had died in a fire on an oil rig. So, yeah, I think that would have probably swung it for us, wouldn't it, if we'd just come on with that? Uh, but now, everyone loves me in Glasgow because I... Talk in their language. That is the thing, and
1: that is the. They
0: love me up there. Um, So anyway, the John Maloney show is great. Uh, I also played in uh, Warsaw. I've now been to Warsaw, Indiana, Indiana, Warsaw, UK, but I haven't been to Warsaw, Poland. But once I've done that, then I've been to. I'm guessing the three worst places in the world. Uh, So, (laughs) and Warsaw, uh, UK is worse than Warsaw, Indiana. That's how bad. That's how bad. It was. No offence, everyone from Warsaw. Thanks for coming. It was a lovely show. I was I was at a place called the Forest Arts. Oh, this is going to be nice. It was literally a fucking aircraft hangar in the middle of some dilapidated buildings. I mean, I don't know how it got the name the Forest. There must have been a forest there. They knocked down to build to build Warsaw. Anyway, thanks for having me in Warsaw. Uh, I will I will go on. We're going to we're going to crack on. Uh, so our first guest tonight. I mean, the only guest this week is. Um, <laughs> Nearly gave the game away there, David. Just covered myself at the last minute. You're much better than last week's audience. I'll tell you that right now. She is probably best known uh, for appearing on the show when game shows go horribly wrong. That is usually when Richard Herring is on them, trying to win them. We please welcome Desiree Birch, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> welcome.
0: Sit down. Pull up a microphone. Oh, oh my goodness. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. Most game shows went horribly, horribly (laughs) wrong. Someone had to let you guys know.
0: Yeah, what what kind of things went horribly wrong in the game shows? I
1: don't know. One of the hosts was a pedophile. That's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty bad. in the actual game show, I, though? No, but he was massively creepy. Like, he was Trump and a little extra creepy. Okay. So, like, yeah. I think I've seen that yeah. clip of that guy. Yeah. You know, he's... he's a lot of back rubbing. Yeah.
0: It was a different time back then. Men could... Rub fl- anyone. Flirt and kiss with children <laughs> on TV. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah, good.
0: Uh, I, I was thinking, you know, when I got knocked out of Pointless by two points, that would be going horribly wrong. But no, that probably is... That's... <laughs> I, like I really want a pointless trophy. I mean, if it comes to it, if they say this is the only way you're going to get one, Rich, oh. no, I wouldn't do
1: this. Um, um, <laughs> You've never gotten any other kind of trophy that you'd do that I've for the
0: I've never got any, any... Well, I've got the uh, Chortle Internet. I've got about 10 Chortle Internet Awards, but there you go. what use are those? Can't even, can't even chuck them on the fire. They don't burn. So uh, it's... <laughs> You've got awards. You won the Funny Woman Award, Women Award. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, uh, a couple of years
1: ago, 2015. Yeah,
0: yeah. So let's <laughs> let's hear your story a little bit. So you've come over from America. In America, you were doing um, a lot of theatre. Yeah,
1: it? yeah. I, I still do theatre but I was doing a lot more like uh, one woman shows, device theatre, yeah. that kind of stuff, did some stand-up but I mean there are various ways not to get paid uh, especially <laughs> when you're working as an artist in New York. I tried many of them, uh, enjoyed doing that and then uh, moved over here. Uh, what
0: brought you to the UK? Uh, oh
1: boy. Oh. Nah. Uh, no, we broke up recently. So okay. don't <laughs> get too much get but we were together for like three and a half years. It was like oh, a nice. legit relationship but yeah, Yes, that's uh, the reason I moved. Um, Because I was, you know, I was in New York and I just I'd been there for so long I was there for 13 years and like somewhere around between like year five and eight you started going like I need to get out of here like this is no kind of life I need to get out of here and you say that for at least five years before you do anything and so it was just like this window opened and I was like I'm in love let's go do the thing I never left time to do because I was too busy working for cheap <laughs> so yeah
0: and so did you did you plan to come and work here you sort of thought let's see how the theatre and stand up goes in the UK or it, is this
1: yeah you know? I mean I had I I had done Edinburgh a couple of times with a, a theater piece um, and so you know I'd met people I clearly enjoyed that sort of scenario like I was just like oh everyone here goes and sees live theater and comedy and performance all the time this is like a utopia let's go and so you know when I met this person I was like okay yeah like let's do it um, moved over and then I had to figure out how to get a visa because I desperately did not want to get deported like I think I saw Border Force on day two and I was like oh no um, <laughs> <laughs> like they pumped it in specifically because they knew where I was staying. <laughs> so, um, well, you, did you grow up in California, though? I did, it? yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um,
0: I, was, I, I saw you talking. We well, do some t- TED Talks and some NerdCon talks. Yeah. So I saw you talking about uh, growing up. Yeah. And you, um, so your background, you're saying you say you're quite middle class. Yeah. But not that well off.
1: Yeah, no. so we were... Does middle
0: class mean different in... Yeah,
1: America? I was confused when I got here because I yeah. was like, oh, this is middle class. And I was like, that person's fucking rich. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> middle class. Like, in America, everybody thinks they're middle class even though they're poor. <laughs> like, they can't admit or ever be told that they're poor because they're on their way. So there's like a wide bracket unless you know because you live in a certain area or it looks like something, you're poor. And so, you know, we moved to, especially in Southern California, there are all of these suburban towns that they just kept building tract homes in and they all look exactly the same and so if you moved out there at the right time it was just I mean seriously I go to the place where my mom lives now and I, I'm at the traffic light and there's like a Target there and a Walgreens there and there's a tumbleweed going across the street like that's how just raw and new everything is that they keep excavating and building there so yeah my parents moved to this you know town this suburban town like when I was six months old out of Los Angeles and uh, that's where I grew up um Yeah, it was super. Like we, we were clearly the like black people on our block who were poor, but like we still, you know, like yeah, grew up in in a middle class area.
0: Yeah, because you were saying in one of the talks that you really want to learn the piano. Yeah, your your parents just laughed in your face. Yes.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it was. I would say after. After sort of white people, the next sort of majority was um, like East Asian, Korean, and Chinese predominantly. And so I went to school with a lot of kids who were like getting piano lessons from like the womb almost, you know. And so like everybody had this sort of ability to do music and that kind of thing. And I was like, I want to do that. I was, you know, one of these nerdy kids. So I hung out with other nerdy kids and I wanted to do like cool musical nerdy kid stuff. And they were just like, that's never happening. (laughs) When did she ask for a piano? Like it was a, a running joke. (laughs)
0: because <laughs> i am i am middle class in a U, in a uk sense although you know, um <laughs> my parents we didn't have much i did have piano lessons and i really hated it i didn't want to go and it made me feel bad that i could have just sent my piano lessons to you yeah, that, i hated very... it i re- i did piano lessons about 5 years and hated every second
1: of it but like if there's a piano in a room you can walk up to it and just go like oh la la, la. No. and like everyone's like no,
0: <laughs> no i can't <laughs> <laughs> I was terrible, and I did. I, had, I was really. I didn't practice at all. If I managed, to I went in once to the house once, and I couldn't find the piano teacher. so so pretended that, and I didn't look that hard. And then I just went home and said they weren't there,
1: <laughs> <laughs> even though the door was wide
0: open and I heard a faucet running. <laughs> so it makes me feel suddenly. I look back and go, that was you know very ungrateful of me when you were there.
1: Yeah, but I mean, uh, you can't be anything but ungrateful when you're a kid because you just show up and you're like, "I didn't ask to be here, and you're not giving me what I want, and everything kind of sucks." And I can't wait until I'm older, you know. At least that's what the way I was. Like I always thought, like, "Oh, I can't wait until I'm older and my life's my own, and I get to do everything I want to do." Because that's what you think it is. Yeah. And then you grow up, and you're just like, "Oh, I just want to look at clouds," and you know. <laughs> yeah, no it time. Cool
0: being a kid, you know. And that is—it's a, a shame that uh, you, yeah, you want to get away from it. I even feel like my three-year-old's a bit like that. She seems to want to grow up, and you kind of no, this is good. Enjoy it. Uh, say poo more. <laughs> I don't really need to encourage. I mean, you, she though. can
1: continue saying
0: poo. She will. She does. <laughs> if she doesn't she? Will. Um, and uh, and you went to Yale. I did. Yeah. yeah. When you say that in America, everyone cheers. Ooh.
1: No, I barely say it because the problem is, like, you know, like, people go, like, oh, where did you go to college? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I was in Connecticut or, like, I studied New Haven or whatever. <laughs> and, like, people just sort of, like, leave it there because you don't want to be responsible for everything that means because as soon as you get something wrong, they're like, oh, Yale doesn't know the answer to this one. And you're like, dude, I'm a human being. I don't know that thing. Also, George W. Bush Bush went to Yale, so, like, let's keep the bar where, you know... Let's make it fair. Right? I fancy
0: he might have had some financial help. From yeah, that you may. That I'd reckon he could have had piano lessons. He was <laughs> in.
1: I bet. I mean, whatever he's painting all the time. I'm sure he did have piano lessons. I'm sure he's a regular Picasso when he's not being a war criminal. <laughs> he liked to. He liked to
0: drink, didn't he? Uh, so he <laughs> probably wouldn't have been able to play the piano. Um, <laughs> so. Um, well, let's have, let's have a look at some of your uh, your work. So you did one of your uh, theater shows. I think was Tar Baby. That's, yes. So what what was
1: that about? So um, I, it's one of those things that, like you say, it in America, everybody knows exactly what it's about. It's a show about race and capitalism in America. So uh, it's you know that's one. of, It's like a very old timey racist term, Tar Baby. Um, and I love taking things that people are like, well, you can't talk about that, and being like, fucking watch me. Um, and so so yeah, so it was. This interactive carnival of race and capitalism. So, there are all these carnival esque games, and I'm the Barker, and it's all about the the selling and the packaging of the narrative that supports racism. You know, the narratives that we continue to tell ourselves and our children about, you know, what is true about certain people when ultimately those stories are made up so that people can make money hand over fist off of those people and feel good about it because they don't consider them to be. You know, people or equal to them in any way. Sure. Um, so you know, like we'd have like test your strength against racism, and there was like a big test your strength, and people would come up and like have to refute you know racist statements or or you know rationalize them or try to reckon with them. You know, and to, and it's great because you know you slowly start to bring people in and kind of make them feel like we're all in this together. It's not about you know like pointing fingers and blaming anybody, and that's usually like the the sort of knee jerk reaction that people have that makes them uh, unwilling to engage in further conversation whereas if you can kind of go like look we're all part of a racist society so like it would be weird if you weren't racist because like how did you manage to grow up that way in the society we're in so like let's just talk about it so it is the sort of slow motion of getting people like more interactive more involved in the conversation that happens in the space and then of course you know I've got to like yell and scream at the end just to make them feel like they got their money's worth (laughs) Um, they're like wow that black lady sure got angry that important. We're going to write them. Yeah. So anyway. Well,
0: it's, I mean, it's it's sort of astounding. A that the you know it seems to be getting worse again in America. The racial tensions and the racial issues and racism. Let's yeah. Just say that. Uh, in the the president of the United States seems to be quite racist. Yes.
1: Exactly. Yes, and seems to represent a a very um, outspoken contingent of people who yeah. feel emboldened by him. I think that. Um, I mean it is astounding in some ways that it's coming back but it's not because it didn't go anywhere I think it just seemed like it did there were these like lovely veneers that we put on but we actually didn't sort of change things that are at the root of these problems like for me I felt like um, education is a big one not only like access to you know like adequate kind of education but the way you know simply the way the history books are constructed and the narratives that we tell ourselves about you know uh, who you know who Who's good and who's bad and why it all happened and I feel like, you know, I definitely sat in a lot of classrooms as we were studying slavery as you would do in an American classroom because it's like the only history we have. Like It's like that and like the Monroe Doctrine and then like JFK got shot and then it's like the rest of the, you know, Billy Joel song, you know, but like <laughs> most of it is, is slavery, right? I guess that was would have been a downer way to start that song. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, so um, it's, you know, I mean, I definitely sat in those classrooms, and, you know, there is this narrative, like, we don't have, hear any of their voices, or the, about their humanity whatsoever, so it's just pictures of, like, people being beaten, or swinging from trees, and then everyone in class is like, oh, that's you, you know, because I'm the other black kid in this advanced placement class, because I'm the one, you know, and that's yeah, and there 's nobody there to correct that narrative because you 've got a textbook that was issued from texas that 's like well that 's look at all these cool white people did some stuff. look on page two you know and and you know i 'm not trying to detract from the fact that those cool white people did do some cool stuff, but the fact of the matter is like America specifically but i mean honestly the world has been built by lots of hands working really hard um you know of various different colors and it's important to not only like recognize that but like tell narratives from another point of view so that you know whatever people who are kind of in power don't just think well we're in power because we're better which is the which is the sort of implied answer to that
0: yeah yeah and america seems to be going insane.
1: Yeah, well I would. I mean, we'd all love to think that this is that, you know, like you don't you don't hit rock bottom until you stop digging, right? And so we'd like to think that like maybe we're hitting that and we have to make some actual profound, real change, like we're getting down to the root, but I, I, you know every time I'm optimistic, it's it's short-lived, so yeah (laughs) I, I, I don't have good answers on that, like I think we are going crazy, but I don't know. We're there's too many damn people. <laughs> like with too many opinions, I don't know how anyone would like pull that together.
0: Everywhere in the world is like it, you know, and everywhere in the world has these hundreds of years old, you know, argument. You kind of feel like the slavery one got settled. <laughs> but that's Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That we found out what was right and wrong about that and they had a war about it and it, that, the right people won the war yeah
1: but then but, the concessions were given yeah. to all the wrong people yeah. again and then, but those there people who go. lost
0: are still going yeah, yeah. but we, we weren't really wrong yeah no, and seriously. Still it's our
1: later. culture and our history <laughs> I mean at this point honestly I'm hoping for alien intervention like I think the uh, like the only thing that could help us out is if we discovered like some other like people entities beings yeah. you know and most likely decided to have a war with them because that's what we do, but at least we join together.
0: Well the racists would hate aliens more than they hate other races, I think. I don't know. It could bring the human race, at least you're human beings,
1: not lizard. I mean but if the lizards were slightly pink in tone, (laughs) would it be the same? I don't know. Well, it's,
0: it's, uh it's, uh, we're not going to sort it out here. The gun, <laughs> no, the gun, no, the no, gun, God, no, the no. gun thing is just crazy as well. But anyway, let, let's, let's meet. It's not your fault. I'm not going to blame you. <laughs> it's part of your fault. You should have done a bit more to stop it when you were there.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, I lunged, I tried, I just missed.
0: Um,
1: and well, you do quite, there's, you, there's a, a lot of uh, sexuality in your work. Oh yeah, almost exclusively, yeah. It's weird um <laughs> but it's great because i found another country that's as hung up as the one i'm from so just keep working that angle um yeah there there is i think uh a lot of that is just stems from the fact that i didn't have it for so long i was obsessed yeah so you grew brought up as, a, as quite a
0: few comedians and i was brought up as a christian yeah and then you kind of rebel against that and i was a sort of late developer as well in terms of uh, you know, getting interested in sex. Well, I was interested in sex. Yeah. I scared, but I was, I was scared of it. Yes, uh, exactly. So, yeah. There's
1: the interest, and then there's the fear. Like yeah. there was just a time where you're like, oh, like guys are cool and stuff, but like they're scary. They're you know, it's intense, and so. And somebody was telling me about this study about how, you know, teenage girls, you know, when they're all screaming over boy bands and all that stuff, but it's like they tend to, their attractions or crushes tend to be on guys who seem safe, which is why we're always like, that guy seems like he might not be interested in you, girl. You know, but it's because, like, he seems like, okay, he's kind of like my age or seems young like me, and he has some qualities that I can recognize physically, but he seems a little bit, like, safer or, you know, more softer somehow as opposed to like just men, you know, yeah. like they just when they get all craggy and you're just like I don't know what, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think I felt that way for quite some time, and also whatever I was just like a chubby nerdy kid, so I was just like this is never gonna happen, <laughs> um, especially in Southern California, like especially in L.A. and that yeah. kind of area, it, like everyone has the same blonde highlights and looks like the same sort of magazine pullout. And if you don't fit into that, like, it's hard to develop, you know? Like, you just kind of feel like, I, I, like I'll like i live when I can finally figure out how to become something else, you know? And, it's, and if you're rich enough, then you just get surgery and then you do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's... I'm, sorry, I got super serious. It's screwed yeah, it's, up. No, I'm just good, saying. Uh, the model screwed up. This, this, you're covering a lot of, you
0: know, serious subjects in your, in your comedy, so we're bound to be getting a little bit serious. But so, th- I mean, you've done various shows about uh, yes. sex. So you yes. did 52 Man Pickup, which yes. was based on a pack of cards. Yes,
1: so... Um, I like
0: the sound of this. So
1: basically, everybody has a skank phase at some point. Mine <laughs> happened circa my early to mid-20s. And um, also, uh, I, I, I'm going to, you know, gender stereotype, but I would say women love making lists of things. And so um, as I was going through, I was like... I think there was like Christian guilt back here and it's like well if I can remember all the names of the people that I've hooked up with it wasn't just like random it was it meant something and so I would like put down their name and something about it so that it was meaningful in some way and then I was like some of these stories are batshit crazy like I shouldn't tell some of these so yeah so basically by the time I was doing the show it was called 52 Man Pickup I took a deck of cards I put everyone that I had slept with uh, on you know a card you know and I mean when I started doing the show it was 30 but then we rapidly got up to 52. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, it was weird to me because, like... It, it happened, like, maybe once or twice um, that, like, someone had seen the show at an earlier phase and then wound up in it at a later <laughs> one. But I just felt... Because most people see you do that and they're like, ha, you're really cool. I'm going to piece the hell out because, like, I don't want... But then there's there's a certain ilk of human being that's kind of like, yeah, like, I'm going to get my name on the charts, you know? Like, it's weird.
0: Well, a lot of female comedians say that, you know, that it's not good for picking up men. No. But that seems to be the way to do it. They haven't got the card system. <laughs> there are 20, 22 places available. Yeah. yeah
1: <laughs> We've got a
0: couple of king places left.
1: <laughs> well, yes, they are ranked. <laughs> and I, know, I was yeah. just like, okay. At some point I was like, ah, I could bump him down, whatever. Or just like, <laughs> no, you're a two. There's not enough twos in a deck. Um, <laughs> they're really not to... Sufficiently cover my history. Um, <laughs> so people will be like, he's a five? And I'm like, did you see what the twos were? And they're like, all right, fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And this, around this time, you were, you were working as a dominatrix as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I actually, this was before this time. I was, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, so I worked as a dominatrix actually before sort of that time. I think that time came out in, uh, after my dom work because I was still a virgin when I was working as a dominatrix, really? which is, yeah. you know, a wonderful way to lead one's life. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, essentially, I was kind of like, well, I'm, you know, I've grown graduated from Yale, I still have my virginity intact, boo, you know, <laughs> demerit. So I was like, okay, let me figure out, let me, let me do what a smart, nerdy kid does and like, you know, basically read a book on how to do this. But my reading book was like doing an internship, you know, like just going to sex work, which is what, a, I mean, a lot of young women do this when they're in university or just outside of it because you make so much more money an hour and, you know, as a dom, like you're essentially there to like Like, you know, be this fantasy, and then at the end, he has a wank. And, like, I was just like, if I had gotten paid for some of the guys that I actually saw have a wank in my real life, like, it would have been preferable. And so I was like, this is a good... Scenario, because a lot of times, you know, especially because there's so much uh, uh, emotional labor in being a woman, even if you aren't engaging in sex, there's like just dealing with the advances. And a lot of times it, it was like, if I were being paid to be in this scenario, I would understand what the rules were. Yeah. And in real life, nobody understands what the rules are. So it's nice to be in a place where it's like, I get what the rules are. And, you know, whatever. I've seen that before. <laughs> it's fine. So, yeah, so I did that. It was uh, wearing corsets and, and pleather and random stuff because you have to buy your own costumes and if you're broke in 23 you're just like I don't know let's go to Hot Topic and like pick out some you know pleather looking things and it's fine you know and what kind of things did uh, I'm not (laughs) I'm not I'm a a very vanilla
0: person in a lot of ways Uh, and I I can't you know, I'm sort of embarrassed about having sex at all, let alone. (laughs) i have got to be very drunk. And then if anyone asks you to dress up or play a role or anything, I'm too embarrassed to do that. So, so this sounds like another level. It's
1: easier if you don't know them because, you know, essentially there is a power dynamic that is set up where, you know, even if you're, even if you're 23 and he's 53, you're meant to be the one that's in charge. And he's like, you know, if he's, does this a lot, then he kind of knows what he's coming in for and whatever, and if it's his first time, he's like freaking out, you know, so you just kind of come up in there and you like tell him what to do and he kind of develops a bit of a persona, you know, and and uh, various things, you know, anywhere from like on the sort of soft core end is sort of like you know, sensual dom, sensual dominance, which is like everybody I worked with was like, oh boring, I just want to hit him. Because um, <laughs> You know, like, sensual dumb is like, you know, you're wearing, like, lingerie, and you're being, like, very nurturing, and it's very, like, maternal, or, like, maybe they want to wear a diaper or something like that, and it's all that stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to hug this asshole, like, I don't, (laughs) we're not friends, you know, and then it goes all the way to, like, you know, stuff that's, I mean, I never did sort of, like, needle play, but some people do that, you know, where it's, you know, piercing and sewing and things like that, where, you know, I'm just saying, some of your friends are paying, (laughs) all right? So, um... The, or, you know, I mean, or, like, I, my, my personal favorite um, was uh, CBT, which is a form of therapy, but not what you're thinking. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it was uh, cock and ball torture. Um, which just you know it's a bunch of clothes pins or weights or tying it up or whatever and I was amazed because the thing is like for me it, that was like a science experiment you know it's like what can I do to this guy's junk you know before I've gone too far and usually if they're into that like too far keeps getting pushed further and further and further so like some of those things can take a beating like I was amazed because like I was going softer because I'm like you do have two testicles in there like I don't want to and he's like no step on it, kick it. Do, it was just like, whew, okay. Um, but yeah, no. I um, in in the most recent show that I did um, uh, covered a lot of that too, and there were some spectacular ones. I stood on a man's neck once. Um, yeah, that's a, that's 20 stone on a human neck right there. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, he, I mean, he, he had like a neck, like a tree stump. Like he was one of those guys who was just like, like, and it was just veiny and whatever. But I was still like, this is crazy. And there's no insurance to cover any of this. So just two people in a room, me trying to survive a half hour and him trying to like essentially just beat off. Like I didn't ever get that. Cause I was like, you just paid money. And you're doing the freest thing anybody's ever what? Okay, okay, cool.
0: Someone once tried to put a champagne bottle in my bottle.
1: <laughs> was I it uh, corked or anything? It, it was uncorked. <laughs> empty. I it cool? was an empty okay. champagne bottle. I didn't, okay.
0: I didn't like it.
1: <laughs> I, I can imagine you might. I mean, like, you didn't say, I asked someone to put a champagne bottle in bottle. You're like, someone tried to. How does that work? You just running around going, oh, oh, and then, like, come on, come on, I'm so close. <laughs> just trying to sneak it in there when I wasn't paying there's attention there's no sneak in anything that. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's a security system it'll go off immediately you, you have to have permission to go in <laughs> right
0: I'll ask you an emergency question because I've talked about my bottom <laughs> and it will be. Look, it's opened up at that page that I did All mention right. before and so I'll ask you this is a, you know it's a, a neat segue if you had to be violated by a popular chocolate bar if you had to be, which I, chocolate bar would you, like, inserted in your anus? Like, with someone aware? following
1: me around, not, if like, on the position yeah.
0: of the chocolate no, bar? No, you be, you'd be prepped and ready to go. Yes. You Listen, want...
1: How, like, you, Snickers got freaky all of a sudden <laughs> and decided to hop up there. Um, I think... Uh, no, that's wrong. Okay, um... I mean, I... This is terrible, because I, I can't think of what... I feel like a Twix is the right size. Okay. A single <laughs>
0: Twix or a yeah, double Twix? Yeah, sing,
1: a single Twix. I
0: you think didn't... you'd have to have both of them up there. Oh, shit.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> fine.
0: You might be able to, like, stick them together lengthways. <laughs> yes,
1: right. And get, get them warm in hand so that they mush and yeah, then... Yeah, and
0: become one. Just yeah. a very long Twix. <laughs> um okay sorry, i'm i'm embarrassed to ask that question i
1: i I love twix and now i will never think of them the same when
0: i eat them no one likes twixes (laughs) um no one loves them everyone just thinks they're all right especially now (laughs) what is the strangest thing you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire
1: And I don't spend a lot of time around bonfires. Wow. So, you know, it's not like I've ever saw, like, oh, a torn-off page of a nudie mag or something. <laughs> you know, some, like, a picture of where the evidence is or something. Yeah. Like, no, I I just feel like it's typically stuff where you're just like, you know, like, that's a metal thing. Why did you try to burn a coat hanger? <laughs> or what, like, doesn't make, make sense. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. no, okay. That's like my Chortle Woods. too awesome. I
1: could have burnt
0: my Chortle woods Woods. Um, <laughs> uh Uh, this is a new oh no hold on I've had a new oh it's on this page that's fine why does
1: your journal have a merkin on it what because is
0: it's, uh, it's, Chewbacca. Oh, it's, it's based chew- on Chewbacca oh it's Chewy okay cool. Back. <laughs>
1: um
0: what is the worst music you've ever had to have that you've had on whilst having sex
1: well, this isn't the worst, but it's the most memorable okay. Um because I've, I mean, whatever you guys know, as far as Americans are concerned, any British person talking is a turn on. And so I definitely, when I was living in New York, had a couple of encounters with British men before I moved over. And this was one where like everything that, like, he's, you know, he's, like, a white dude, and, like, everything that came on, it was, like, brown sugar and, like, all this stuff that I was just, like, are you, and he was, like, you're joking, like, put on the music you like, and I was, like, no, literally, like, I just downloaded this stuff, but, like, it's just playing the most sort of patronizing, like, soundtrack of, like, all of the most exoticizing things that would come, and it was just, I mean, it's, it's bad when you're listening specifically to what yeah, the music yeah, is, yeah. and it was super distracting. Yeah, it's yeah. very
0: off-putting. I was talking about it uh, with uh, Maria Bamford, I think, who was talking about it with... I, someone played Enya's Sail Away I was, <laughs> when, when I was quite... And that's very difficult to have sense with. I was thinking they were, the best song might be the Hokey Kokey. Because <laughs> at least that's instructions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You don't put your right foot in, though. <laughs> I mean, you can, but <laughs> consent. <laughs> um,
0: what is this? Is my new emergency question? Are you ready? What is the most beautiful thing that you have ever destroyed?
1: Oh, um, yeah. You know, you wish you had like time to prep these. And no, that's things. why. That's why you. Got yeah, it, but got like, I can't, I can't remember what happened. Beyond two days ago, that's
0: I'm still hung
1: over from. Um, the most beautiful thing that I
0: have... Mm. I, I find it, and I was thinking, uh, the reason this question came up, it wasn't a beautiful thing, but one of the most memorable days of my teenage years was me and my friends went up to Shippenwood and, and we found like an old cottage that had fallen down and we just threw stones at it for the whole afternoon until it, <laughs> until it was really falling, falling down even more. And it was kind of, but it was an exhilarating, wonderful day of vandalism. Yeah, Uh, But it was this probably, you know, 19th century, you know, woodsman's cottage we basically destroyed. But
1: I feel at that point you probably feel like you are part of the sort of evolutionary process, just like, you know, like worms and maggots come and, like, eat the body and then it feeds the ground. You know, you're like, this thing is about to be, like, let's just fully consume and destroy it. And it's the circle of life. You were doing a a good thing. I I love spinning this shit. Um, (laughs) So this isn't a... uh, there's a better answer to this question. It's just not coming to me. But like the the most immediate thing that I destroyed, um, it was it was only because it was funny. So I was with um, I was with like some rich friends because you go to Yale and you get some of those, and then they take you to places and don't make you pay. It's great, um, and so they're like you're really charming. I like made a whole life on being really funny and entertaining and broke. Sorry guys, and then them wanting me to come along anyway. Uh, but we were in. I want to say like they had some like house on a lake in Wisconsin and there was a boat that they had like a like a pontoon boat like a tiny boat and like you know they were from Texas so like they would just come with coolers and coolers of beer and all the booze and be like hey we're drinking we're gonna spin a boat around until we fall down or whatever right and so they had this game where they were like shooting this sort of firecracker thing and that would explode and have like a little you know thing that would come down and then the game was to try to go race the boat to catch the little parachuted thing you know, while you're drinking on a lake that's empty. So, like, I think that at some point, you know, I'm standing there, and, like, they're racing, and I'm, like, trying to, like, get around to the other side of the table, but at the last moment, they make this sharp turn, and I do this very comical, like, Chris Farley, like, smash right through the table. Like, I mean, and everyone, you know, so it's like they ship the boat really fast, and suddenly it's just, like, smash. Like, something you would see on Saturday Night Live. Like, how did she just go through that? And everyone's like, are you okay? And I couldn't breathe for laughing so hard, because it was so amazing. And I was just like, I just completely destroyed your boat, and they're like, it's fine, we're rich, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was hilarious. So it wasn't like a beautiful thing, but it was like, I don't know, I just mm, yeah, destroying good, things is a sexy feeling. It is. It's, <laughs> it's
0: like that's uh, Milton Satan feels the same, only in destroying, find I ease. <gasps> <laughs> Slightly educational. (laughs) Only in destroying find IEs. That's what Satan says in Paradise Lost. Come on, kids. It's not all about
1: bums and farts. Oh, I remember another thing. On the last day of college, senior year, uh, my roommate, me, and his friend were super drunk. We had wrought Streetcar Named Desire, and we um, destroyed all the plates against the front of the building going, this castle smash and just over and over again wow. um, and they were like we're afraid we can't renew your lease and we're like we're leaving bitches that was really satisfying
0: yeah yeah. there's something great about you know destruction it's a weird thing I mean that's the problem with the world it's much easier to destroy than it is to create yeah and it's kind of satisfying I'd quite like to smash the Mona Lisa yeah because yeah. you know the, I'm never going to draw the Mona Lisa so <laughs> second best be the bloke who smashed it up Je- <laughs> hit a shit on it <laughs> That would be on the Wikipedia page, wouldn't it? Of the Mona Lisa, the painting was finally destroyed by being smashed and defecated on by
1: Richard Herring. I mean, would you smash it on a thing? Like, because I feel like I would just be like, want to pop my head through where her head is like, <laughs> it's me! Like, that's how I would destroy yeah. it. I but think like, it's quite you...
0: small, though, the Mona Lisa. Oh, yeah. I think mean, it's, it's like, like a little... That or when something. you go to look at it, it's up on the wall over there. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, is that yeah. Like, <laughs> And I, I know what that looked like. I've seen it loads of times. <laughs> Didn't need to go and queue up for fourteen hours. <laughs> um, good. That was that was a very interesting story about the boat. I thought that's good. I'm going to keep that emergency question. That's it's great when you have to in...
1: convince your audience to be no, interested. It's, not... in the thing.
0: it's convincing me. I like, I like to when I do a new emergency question. I always try and big it up to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you do the as well as stand up and as well as theatre stuff. You do do these kind of TED talk kind of inspirational. Yeah,
1: I don't speeches. know. People find me inspirational for some yeah. fucking reason. No, I mean, I I don't do a lot of them, but I have done, like, speaking... Yeah, I think that... I am fortunate to live in an era where stories from my life and lives like mine are um, sought after because they haven't been heard for so long. And so I think people, you know, uh, yeah, want to hear about, you know, you take something from your life and you turn it into a bigger picture, whatever. And I think as uh, comedians and creators, we do that in general just because... I feel like if you're sidelined a lot in life, you get a lot of time to observe things, and you start to put things together, and then you're just desperate for anyone to hear you, <laughs> and so you find a career with a microphone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've done a little bit of that with like um, with TED Talks or with um, uh, NerdCon, which is like a cool world of like all of the people who probably sup- subscribe to your podcast. <laughs> you Definitely. know, like they keep they keep live performance going, um, and I got hooked up to that through uh, working on Welcome Tonight veil Um, and so you know like i think the people who uh, follow that and like really love it like it really has changed their lives in a radical way and brought them a community of people who are like them where they were all individually separated in their own various communities and so it's really important to them to be like i'm coming together not only to see this fictional place that is accepting of all types of human and, and, and otherwise, if you ever listen to the, the, the podcast, it's all about like, you know, aliens and ghosts and otherworldly things. But also when they come to the shows, they're meeting up with people that they maybe see and other or, or never have or only talk to online. Yeah. And so it's like a huge sort of community building thing. And then once you're kind of you know, once you're in with the nerds, man, they take care of you <laughs> like nerds care, you know, because they're just like, thank you so much for saying things that I am too fucking shy to say.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, it's you know, it is, I think that is. I think the great thing about podcasts and that kind of you know live experience is that it is just you're sharing something, and people, even if it's quite a different life that someone's leading, I think you'll find the things that resonate. Yeah, I think these. I think podcasts, especially, I get so many emails from people saying this helped me through this illness or this difficult time in my life, and you're kind of not thinking when I'm doing talking about shitting on the Mona Lisa, I'm not yeah. thinking this <laughs> is this is going to help someone through.
1: But one person, this is
0: going to be the thing that makes this person decide that, that life is worth living after all. <laughs> that Richard might one day shit on the Mona Leaves. I've got to stay alive to but see But they that. laugh
1: at that and the 2 I'm going to do it for
0: summer. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? It's a promise. It's a promise. Oh, no. Uh-oh. It's the- Not for you specifically. That's the pro- <laughs> There's a problem when a crazy one thinks that the whole podcast is just for them. <laughs> that they can talk to it and then they'll, get, and they'll answer but back. But
1: that's the thing about a podcast they're really, they're really intimate things yeah. even though you know you're just listening to them you know in your car but usually in your car you're like singing really loudly you're doing other intimate things you're eating terrible food out of a bag you know things that you wouldn't show to other people or you're cleaning around your house you're doing like and this thing is going directly into your brain like there is an intimate Can I understand that like I do start to feel like I you know know people and then you see them in real life like, that's not you. It's not at all the picture I had in my head of who you are. Like, fix yourself, you know? But the nerd come
0: when I saw, you'd You'd um, you basically had written something and then your computer you lost yes. it, <laughs> so it was, you just ad libbed. I mean, you ad libbed having written it. Yeah,
1: because I had been working on the thing, and it's weird to be at a nerd convention and have a computer fail because you're like literally anyone can help me, but like also like it's too complicated and no one can help me. So yeah, I it like it just and I was like, well, I remember what I was going to talk about, so like let's go for it. And I was just pacing back and forth trying to remember like notes, and then you know you get out there and you've been on stage before, and that kind of kicks in, and you yeah. just kind of go. Like, let me just actually talk to these people and connect a little bit and try to be funny. And, and I think if you kind of get sort of funny and, and meaningful across, people are appreciative. And also just put their expectations way, way, way down. <laughs> I mean, if my computer hadn't broken, I would have had to come up with some other reason why they should feel <laughs> bad for me, right?
0: <laughs> well, it's a big skill to be able to, you know, I think that for most people that would be... The idea of standing up and talking would be terrible. The idea of yes. standing up and talking and then losing the thing...
1: is know. the nightmare. Yeah, it's, it, it is it's the, the nightmare. worst
0: thing. I think even as a comedian and even someone who works, if you think, I've written that thing and then you've, you've got to let it go yeah. to the extent, but also, you know, it's, it was, it's, a very, it's, it's very easy to find a life. if you want to watch it and it doesn't... It, it, it views like a uh, like a written piece.
1: Oh, good. Um, I think. Um, I know. I mean, I walked off stage and I was just like, "How? Oh, I can't believe I screwed this up! How? Oh, this is an important thing!" And everyone's like, "That was great, thank you." And I was like, "Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah." That happened. <laughs> totally happened.
0: Um, and um, I, the, the, my very in the poster that I remember actually in Edinburgh of um, I, can't, I can't remember which show it was for, but the poster that you won awards for, yeah, was your face. Yes covered
1: in dicks <laughs> so many dicks um, I mean so yes I know you're let I me mean, not like no, nobody <laughs> not, put actual dicks on my face and took your a face. picture um, it was um, a, the sh- the show is called Desiree Birch this is evolution um, and uh, but the, the poster was just a photo of me but um, we took uh, all, like basically all the dick pics I'd ever received in my life because I grew up in the age of the internet and if you go on there to find a date you get a bunch of dongs you didn't ask for. Um, and I kept them, because I'm weird. I make a list of the random people I sleep with, and then I also collected the, the dicks. Because yeah. um, I don't know, I was like, well, he gave it to me, it's mine now, isn't it? Um, and so, and I, at some point, we ran out of dicks, so I did have to ask a gay friend of mine uh, for his dick pics, and then we got all the remaining dicks. Um, so, But yeah, it's like, basically everything, you know, it's like, you, a picture of me like this, but like, they're all small, so it looks like a Painting like they're done. So I mean, especially because it's like textured and veiny and whatnot. But like, you look closer and you're like, oh, her eyebrows are just like tiny black dicks, and like (laughs) her hair's just like black dicks coming out like this, and then there are red dicks here, and like you know, it was yeah, it was amazing.
0: I mean, to someone of my generation, it seems incredible because I think I probably I stopped dating uh, officially uh, ten years ago.
1: (laughs) You have a date in the audience, like.
0: You know, I've been I've been back on the last couple of years since the, since the wife had a couple of kids. You know.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. Um, no. So ten years ago, I well over ten years ago, I stopped stopped dating, and I I think I'm, I think I want someone asked me to send them asked for a, my, my, a picture well, of my asking penis. Asking is different. Yeah.
1: Like if you so the idea,
0: you know. I just can't. I'll comprehend how we got to the situation where that's a flirtation technique. The first thing you do is send a picture yeah. of your penis. It's not... I mean, even if this is a really good penis. It's you're still not it, the it's prettiest party. Yeah. yeah, it's not yeah. the first thing you want to see. Although there's
1: this whole movement now of taking like really lovely, ph- photographically satisfying dick pics. Like, like there's there these women got together and created a site of like how to make a good dick pic. You know, to talk about like lighting and angles and all of these various things to make your dick pics better. Because like if you're gonna go for it, like make it good. You know, like whatever, throw some Instagram filters on there. You know, like make it classy. Because like sometimes you get them and it's just like. You just like looked down with your phone and then took a picture of it like that, and it does look like a crime scene photo. Like, <laughs> there's a flash went off, and it's the shadows are all weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd be tempted to like draw a face on it or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, so, right. Is that all right. I'm. Sh- uh, you probably wouldn't be the first. I no, didn't get I'm that sure one. But I you probably. Be. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm certain of it. Actually, I've seen the evidence. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I've I've struggled with trying to figure out the psychology behind it too, because I imagine there is. I, I, You know, they say that men are more visual in their sexuality. So I think that, like, they see something and it turns them on. And they think that if they show something and someone else sees it, that will turn them on, too. And if that person is another man, there's a much higher chance of that <laughs> being true. But, like, women's attraction works in a different way. So, you know, unless she's ass work because you're in the middle of, like, oh, hey, I'm doing this. And, like, show me, you know. Yeah. And you're doing that in real time. Then it's just, like, what the hell am I going to do with that, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and also like when I was growing up like the, you had flashers and that was the, was the saddest worst thing to be and then this is just like lazy flashes, you I mean, can't even go to a cowardly <laughs>
1: Yeah. But I think maybe also they have some insecurity in there too of just yeah. being like, hey, I just, is this is this okay? Like, I do have a friend who's like, has has a male friend who has sent her several of his penis pictures to be yeah. like, what about this one? Is this one good? How's my, di-? like, and it's just, I mean, it's a combo, combo vanity insecurity sort of loop, you yeah. know? Yeah. And does it ever work?
0: Does it, does it work? Has that worked on you? Someone sending pictures of their penis and then you go, okay, yeah, let's go. Let's have a little us have a
1: I can't think of a time when I was like, I wasn't immediately like, Wah. Um You know, I think it's only if you are under an understanding, like you've gotten to the place where both of you pretty much are sure that this is only going to be about sex. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, well, good, at least there's confirmation of, you know, what to... I think it's, it's fine
0: like, somewhere down the line, but it's the, it's the opening gambit yeah. that, I, that I find.
1: Or, like but it's like, people saying
0: I've, my, I've closed my direct messages on... Uh, on Twitter, because you just get dick pics, dick pics, dick pics. Yeah, I've no, no one's ever sent me a picture of anything. No, I'm just just sending not even so just many dick pics. or something.
1: Everyone tonight send him a dick
0: pic. <laughs> it's... My, my, I don't think you can direct message me unless I, unless you follow me, unless I follow you. But
1: still, you'll yeah. get plenty.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just do them in open. I'd, yeah. like to, I'd like to see a few just to see.
1: Twitter's going to shut it all down.
0: I'm pretty sure mine's better than all of yours, is what I'm saying. So I'd like to see the evidence. But I'd love to see your erect penis, David. <laughs> you may have yes. to you may have to find some photos from ten or fifteen years ago for that
1: terrible. I mean I I mean penises <laughs> It's interesting to me when penises age better than faces. Sometimes they age better and sometimes they age worse. Yeah. So I, he might have, like, a 23-year-old, you know, stallion down there that's just been, you know, it's been he's moisturized. Not, he's nodding, he is nodding. See? He <laughs> has been moisturized. Also, he works in nuclear
0: physics, so I reckon he's probably gro- it's probably grown over... Like, just the radiation like, is probably... <laughs> Because that's probably you know that's where the nuclear stuff is down that kind of left It's on the table, right? That's where. So, oh, that's a really like cool in.
1: porn version of Spider-Man. <laughs> if it is, and then you've got a web. Okay.
0: <laughs> and then people have to come in with the gloves on. Some people, some people are like, some of your, you, know, you come with those gloves and. It, I rrrr. love this so
1: much. <laughs> the glove. There's a hole in the glove. Oh no! no, no. Didn't contaminate it.
0: Good, we're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you do the Mash Report, yeah, which is a fantastic show. I've been massively. Yeah, doing. Um, it's great. And you? Did I see you d- dress up as a white man on that, the that's Mash That's a thing Report? that happened. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was looking for it again, and it couldn't find it online anywhere. So I thought oh, I, might, yeah. oh, I thought it might have been a weird dream. No. had. <laughs>
1: <laughs> interesting. Richard. Cool to know about you. Yeah. yeah, no, I did. Um, it was uh, we interviewed. Um, a men 's rights activist, and then you know the the ultimate gag was that you know like let 's take a black woman who clearly is going to speak to a men 's rights activist a- and not understand the plight uh, you know of men and particularly of white men and what their struggles are, and then like walk around in her shoes as as everybody does in investigative journalism it 's like not enough to ask questions no i got to go out and get a suit and some outfits and whatever so yeah it was it was to do that whole let's really, truly investigate this. So I did spend, like, three hours in makeup getting, like, spray-painted and having glued wigs on and things um, to turn into this... I I feel like passable, like, you know, white, maybe British man, but they didn't have me do an accent, which is good, because I can't. Um, And, yeah, and then I just, you know, walked around, tried to chat up women, tried to, like, talk to, you know, guys on the street and just be like, yeah, I mean, you're being a white guy, right? It's like... (laughs) Whew, you know like <laughs> so um yeah it was it What I will say, the most fascinating thing to me was just like, one, I put on the trousers and I was like, what the fuck did they give you for pockets? Like, they went all the way down to here. Women never get any pockets. They're like, it's going to obstruct our view of your ass, so no pockets for you. And so, like, I was just like, the pockets were so deep and I felt fine just, like, sitting down like this everywhere I went and talking to everyone like this. And I was just like, this is, like, I can see how this would psychologically start to evolve the way that I just... You acted all the time, just from having room to have possessions and just having space to air out my my, my goodies to the world. (laughs) Like, it was just a sweet feeling, you know?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I I had a Hitler mustache for a year.
1: Yes. uh,
0: So it was, you know, similarly weird.
1: (laughs) So when you did that, you shaved your mustache and had a Hitler mustache. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a thing you could take on and off.
0: It wasn't, because I felt like I had to have it for real. Otherwise it wasn't. A did valid not, yeah. experiment. Yeah, it was horrible. Right? It was yeah. a horrible thing to do. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I mean for everyone.
1: When I when I saw a video of you doing that, yeah. I wondered what your day to day was when the 23 hours you were not on stage, <laughs> yeah. doing that. What that was like.
0: It was sort of. It was more, what I found quite interesting is that I, I didn't get much hassle. Most people avoided me. Sometimes people laughed at me, but <laughs> I just felt like I was being judged all the time. And as a white man, I've never walked down the street worrying about people. It's re, it was uh-huh. really inter- interesting. So I kind of got like this. I you know I felt. Yeah. At any moment, I could be physically attacked. Yeah. just for the way I looked, which yeah. again, uh, you know, it, it could happen for yeah. various other reasons, but not because I'm a white man. Because <laughs> there's someone seen me walking around with an moustache and wants to kill me. Uh, but no, so yeah, so you know, you, it was it was a, it was very psychologically weird, and I was always delighted when I had the chance to get rid of it.
1: Yeah, but, what? Um, how did that? Did, did you find that feeling like a I, I mean, I guess it's fair to say social pariah. Like, did you did you feel like that status upped your resentment or anger more? Like, did it get... You know, it's kind of like character work. Did it go outside in? Did you feel like a little bit more like me against the world when you were wearing that for a year? Yeah, I felt like I did...
0: It did change the way I felt like I was being, you know... I fit in, even though um, people weren't necessarily giving me that information. that I felt it, so and I, I think correctly but you don't know you don't know yeah. how anyone yeah. else feels in their life so you don't know uh, and you don't know how people are judging I think people mainly thought I was an idiot. I just looked insane I think because I wasn't I had long I didn't have Hitler hair I just yeah. had a Hitler mustache so the worst thing that happened was a white van man on Shepherds screen at midnight said well done mate you're a man after my own heart oh. which <laughs> as if uh, if he was just a little bit braver, he'd be walking around dressed as Hitler. But it was absolutely chilling. That was really upsetting. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, but otherwise, it was just yeah. It was that I you know I, it made you, feel, you know, it made me feel not angry but just yeah just like uh, like a victim and like you know like I was I started pulling it out subconsciously and mm-hmm. and I felt very I, I was I mean, was only recently with my now wife at the time, so it was amazing she oh, sort of stuck with That
1: it. brave, uh, yeah. committed woman. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got married a year later, you're like, hey, I'm going to do this Hitler mustache thing and she's like, okay, I'm staying. Yes, I <laughs> yeah. will bear your yeah. children. Yep, totally. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, she, wow. she does dress up as Eva Braun at home, but it's, uh, <laughs> it might have been what still sealed, sealed the deal. Fair enough. Um, and you acted like you knew nothing about the fetish world. Uh...
1: <laughs>
0: but it's, it, oh, it's interesting to go through these things for comedy and it's, you know, I think it is, that's, I, you know, yeah, I don't. Know, I don't know how real you've, you felt as a white man. Obviously, a little bit, kind of. You when you knew it was a joke. But well, yeah, but a... by
1: the end of the day, you're yeah. taking that face off, and you forgot what your face looked like because you got used to this guy's face. Yeah. I'm like, I'm Jeff now, you know, <laughs> like, and I've got Jeff's worries and concerns, and I'm going to go back to somewhere in the Midlands, I presume, where Jeff lives. <laughs> um, you know, but
0: um, but it sort of it, also makes you realize how crazy all. I mean, it's that that craziness of the way we judge each other. And yeah. the way, and the, and the, just, you know, something like skin color is so. I mean, and there's no, I know there's more to it than that, but it's, but, but it, there is. There is and there well. isn't. Yeah. There is and there so isn't. So it's, yeah. but you know, it's, it's so, like, on a childish level, a child would go, that's stupid. But it's like the it worst is. episode of Star Trek there would ever be. the I mean, most yeah. of them would be literally about With this like
1: book. an orange cat and a black yeah. cat. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: And they're <laughs> like, oh, that
1: orange cat. You know, it's, they're cats. I mean, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it is it is like a weird thing and I, any kid would be like that's stupid but I think that we kind of constantly are attributing narratives to people as we look at them yeah. all the time. Like, I think that we attribute a narrative to our own lives when there really isn't one. It's just, like, random chaotic phenomena. And we, like, make stories. So we look at people and we make stories. And when there's already such a strong story about a person, it's so satisfying. Because you're like, oh, I got that one, yeah, yeah. you know? And I think that's part of the reason our brains, you know, we yeah, do that. I,
0: that's what I dislike about it is the kind of laziness of... Uh... Because I I have to get to know someone to know if I'm going to hate them. Yes. And if you can just make a decision based on what they look like, that's, yeah. that's very lazy it way is, to hate people. But it's
1: like the junk food of, of <laughs> you know, of stereotype. You know, it's yeah. just kind of like, that's easy. And we, people like cheeseburgers. People <laughs> like chips, you know? So it's easy to do. And do you think
0: it's interesting that, uh, is it the case that racism is more prevalent in areas where, people, where, it's, where it's more like there are less... Ethnic from black people or different people. If it's in a, in a, in a you well, know what yeah. I mean. Because like if you're in London, it's not really a, 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 a well big as deal. much of a
1: problem as it is in yeah. other places where yeah. there are fewer. I mean, I would say yeah.
0: as in Warsaw, Indiana. I'll just pick that up, <laughs> pick that up off the top of my head.
1: I well, okay. So yes and no. Like yes, I think that when your only exposure to a person is through media whether it's news or film or television uh, you're definitely getting a skewed biased perspective and then when you meet those people you come to them with all of the baggage of stuff that they never gave you and so I think that the sort of ignorance aspect of racism is stronger there but then I think also sometimes especially in cities you know like you're pressed up against these people and yes that makes you get to understand and know them more but also you also always hate the person who's right here you know what i mean like you always hate like the country always hates the country that's just there you know and you really you're like you realize nobody else in the world can tell you guys apart And they're like yeah but we hate them you know so i think there's also a level of you know the proximity especially in times of economic crisis really does bring out a lot more racism that you wouldn't expect like these days you know is the problem
0: that people don't want to admit that it's, it's sort of like they, it's everyone's got to start from the perspective that they're the top and so if they're not if they feel that they're somehow not the top they should be at the top so there's got to be they've got to blame somebody someone. else's fault
1: yeah exactly they, but a, it's,
0: it's people being unable to look inside themselves and say actually I, I'm part of the problem <laughs> yes and also to
1: look outside of themselves and go like yeah, things are shit right now. Like, I'm not alone. I don't need to take the blame. But, like, okay, yes, I could be better. I could work harder. But, like, all of us could be better and work harder. And at a certain point, you also have to be, like, how how hard do I need to work for you people? Like, I, you know, didn't have to be here either. Like, I'm working as hard as I can. And then you have to remember, like, actually, system's not set up for you to be as, to live your dreams and, you know, be what you want to be and all that stuff. And I think a lot of times when you can take that pressure off of, of, yourself because i think those people do have the instinct to kind of blame themselves or go like why can't i and then instead of facing that like reality and looking into themselves and go like why can't i they go like it must be someone else's fault you know because they can't look at things that they can change about themselves and so they blame
0: yeah and they but they it, it's interesting to say someone like trump and in the uk like someone like jacob Rees-Mogg or nigel farage that like people would look at them and go you know they're they're going to be the person that helps me out rather than looking at those rich people and going, these, these guys are the problem. Yeah. You know, that the, the Trump supporters, you know, I think I just mentioned Trump in a tweet this week and very vaguely and like four or five people from America searching <laughs> for Trump, going in touch yeah. with me to tell me I was a libtard. Uh-huh. Uh, etc. But they obviously respect him so much, but they're not able to say this guy is stealing money and is well, a criminal. I wonder how criminal. much they
1: respect him as much uh, more than like he represents them very intimately and so yeah. they identify in some way. And so they feel like they're being attacked constantly and so they have to defend themselves. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean... I, 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 I don't know. I just don't understand how anyone can respect him and that's not just me being a libtard. I'm just like, he is a bold-faced liar. Like, he lies all of the time. Yeah. I, like, at some point, how can you respect that? How can you excuse that many lies unless you're in an abusive relationship, which is maybe what's happening to all of these people, is that, they, you know... Yeah. like but it's
0: for me that he would never, never, for a second, says he's done anything wrong, right? So he, any human being in any situation, he yeah. never admits he's made a mistake, he never admits he's culpable for anything. He's always the best in every situation. Yeah. The worst thing, the thing for me that really, I mean, amongst many of the things, but the thing when he was... Arguing all that time about the size of his inauguration crowd—it's <laughs> like we can see that that people didn't. Care. You know, why is that so important to you, the fact that you've got to yeah, we've tell been that lie? We can see it's it, not big. It doesn't even that matter because your people couldn't have got <laughs> across to Washington yeah. anyway. It's not important. So why does it care? Why do you care so much? But for yeah. someone to never say actually, yeah, I was wrong. It was wrong of me to have sex with a porn star when my wife just has a child. Or whatever. You would at least go, well, there's a little of humanity. But that's
1: the epitome of childishness, right? Like, you become an adult, like, you're not only when your body matures, but like, when you screw up something you can't, unscrew up and you have to take accountability for that thing and as long as you can like be like just continue to lie and say like oh I never did that I never whatever these the, the people who follow him see want to be him you know they, they're like yeah like he's like the Fonz and like everything he does is cool <laughs> he is. and he's, he is like the Fonz <laughs> and he's Teflon and he never gets cut <laughs> for anything and he has all of he has sex with porn stars and he's rich and he gets whatever he wants and they, I think that they see the, him as some kind of a role model like yeah. you know he's what they could be if they were just the cool guy in high school and I really think it's that simplistic sadly yeah.
0: hmm. it's interesting well um, and for all the Trump fans at home I don't like any of the other po- Jeremy Corbyn's a dick as well are you happy? <laughs> oh no now no, the Corbyn fans are going to come and have a go at me um, Paddy Ashdown's rubbish <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've got it covered now <laughs> Um do you saw Maria Bamford's show last week? I did. I had her on the podcast last week. Uh, she's she's what an amazing woman she is. Yeah. Do
1: you did you hang out with her? Do you know her? I met her once in uh two thousand nine um in New York, uh, at a club. Um she was really awesome and very just sort of gracious and down to earth and, and yeah. all of that. All of that wonderful stuff. And I feel like when people are really talented they can be kind because they're not like afraid of people finding them out, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah, she is. I mean, out of everyone I've had on here, who's like a big star... she is like the most down to earth Yeah, she was very very nice. was her stand up show any good
1: her stand up show was great I mean yeah like I mean she talks she talks about mental illness in her work a lot but like you know in that show in particular she talked about you know like being like committed at some point so yeah. like I think yes when you are in a place when you're in a hospital gown you know like th- that's been issued by a county and like you've been sort of locked up to protect yourself like you're as down to earth as you can possibly get you know like I think that <laughs> That life experience will make you real. Just realize to always be humble. Sure.
0: And uh, well, um, I tried to see your show in Edinburgh last year, and you were on a bus. I was on a bus, and I couldn't get in because it, yeah. it was a bus. Yeah, the bus was full.
1: Uh. <laughs> you very well. But are you doing Edinburgh again, twenty eighteen? Uh, yes, I am. Well, just so you know, I'm doing that show at Soho Theatre oh, in a you... couple of weeks. So if okay. you really want to come, you still could. I can. I'm on, I'm on <laughs> tour myself all around the country, so. I might not. Be able to I love, I One love. of these days, when you're not in Glasgow, so
0: <laughs> yeah. we will look into it. You might be able to. I'm, I'm, I'm owed a date night with my. It's nearly my wedding anniversary as we're recording this, so oh, maybe we'll come as a wedding anniversary. I mean, yeah, but that's only living another year. I don't mean to congratulate <laughs> me for well, I'm living, just waiting yeah. to stay
1: with me. Living another, yes, exactly. After the and way I am. Three hundred and sixty-five days of just keeping her. She perfect.
0: hasn't heard any of this series uh, of, this okay. podcast yet, so after this, this might be the last.
1: <laughs> she stayed with you do, during Hitler Mustache. Like, I think you're, she's solid on that. But yeah, yeah, I will be going to Edinburgh this year. um, And by the time this comes out, I will have figured out the title of my show (laughs) and what it's about. But I still. And you're going to be in a bus or are you
0: going to be in a proper Uh, I'm
1: going to be at the Monkey Barrel. um, Oh, yes. Yes, so like, you know, right off of the mile, like actually in a club that exists there because last year, everyone's like, I mean, the bus is cool, but you can't do this again. Like there's people lined out in the rain outside of a bus. (laughs) Like this is depressing. (laughs) You can't do this anymore. And I was like, okay, fine. Because if I had my druthers, I would do the bus again. It's a great comedy venue. It is really, it's intimate, it's perfect. You have this much space on stage with you and a microphone and everyone's sitting here and it's like a fireside chat but it's on a bus so it, like people just come in and feel like anything can happen and it's wild and that's the kind of audience I want to have at a show and it self filters out the douches like people who go there and walk around with two beers like this doesn't seem very good I'm like great I don't want you at my show don't come you know so it was, it was a perfect venue I really I highly recommend it if you're a comic play yeah. a bus
0: good idea um, <laughs> and I've, well, I haven't seen you live but I've seen lots of your stuff online and it's fucking awesome so Thank do you. do check out Desiree Thank ladies you. and gentlemen Desiree Birch oh, you have been listening to Richard Herring's The Square Theatre Podcast with me Richard Herring and my guest Desiree Birch Music by Pest, thank you to everyone at the British Comedy Guide, to everyone at Lesco Theatre, to everyone at Go the Strike, and all my friends and family and everyone who knows me, especially my mum. Hi Barbara, hope you're alright. I'm indebted to my producer Ben Walker, it's a f- guy potato. Fuzz. And GoFasterStrike.com production. Come and see me on tour which slash games. Thank you, bye.
1: drink the milk don't drink the milk no this isn't a podcast about milk if you like historical intrigue a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy this one's for you i'm rachel stewart and i'm traveling around europe following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world by force by chance or by choice no need to pack your bags just subscribe to don't drink the milk wherever you listen to podcasts
0: Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market and it would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.